I'm your host, Arielle. And I'm your host, Alyssa. Welcome to Ghost Tea Podcast. A podcast for those who seek magic. Hello, ghosties. Welcome back. Today we are discussing a very important topic in the realm of spirituality, and that is toxic spirituality and ethics, including some red flags to watch out for. Yes, and today we also have a guest with us, which we will introduce. But before we get started, we just want to remind everyone that everyone has different views on things, and that's okay. We don't ask you to believe what we do. We just want to share what we've found in our personal path with others. And we have our special guest, Becca Fern. Hello. Well, we call her Becca Fern, but <laughs> Becca of the Mystics Lounge. You will have recognized her if you listened to our episode about Celtic Druidry. Um, she was an amazing guest on that episode. And we wanted to have her back for this topic because we talk about this a lot in our coven chats and things like that. So we felt like we wanted to have her part of this conversation because we have mm -hmm. um, a lot of very similar views and she she has a lot of really cool takes that we wanted to include. Well, thank you so much. First of all, um, I had so much fun on that episode. So thank you so much for having me back again. Yeah, it Hell was so yeah. much fun. I loved it. It was fun. And you are full of knowledge and we love your perspectives. And so I think this is going to be a really interesting episode for our ghosty listeners so that we can touch on some things that inevitably you will come across in your spiritual journey as you navigate the world of spirituality and the people who are also in it. So toxic spirituality is a particularly important topic to become aware of, including the red flags and ethics, when you are involved in the spiritual, spirituality, witchcraft community, and so on, paganism. Uh, it doesn't matter what community that you are a part of. If you are a spiritual person or you integrate spirituality, these are going to be really helpful conversational topics for you guys so that you know what to look out for from other people, especially because with spirituality, there is a lot of predatory behavior that can come along from it. And we will be discussing what that might look like. So it's for your own safety to know and to be educated and also to help educate others and to keep some things in mind for your own back pocket. Yes. And I think this is such an important topic too, because we know a lot of you have been practicing for a while, but there are people who are new to their practices or aren't even practicing yet. And we want you to be able to have a clear idea of what to look out for if you're getting a reading from someone or if you are reading for someone, how to form your own ethical boundaries and your own spirituality to be in a healthy way so that you feel good about how you approach your work. Yep. Fuck yeah. So let's dive in. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. And yeah. It's, so and just... we're not going to hold our punches either. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're not. It's, no, it's just this such is... an important topic to discuss yeah. that you can't really sugarcoat it because yes. then people yeah. get the wrong idea. No, you mm -hmm. can't sugarcoat it because it just, it just, it needs its time in the lights, spotlight. So we know what it looks like. Yeah. Because we got to expose the dark underbelly. <laughs> the underbelly. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to start off first with just listing a few of the subcategories within toxic spirituality, and then we can expand on it. So toxic spirituality encompasses a few things. It's not just one singular thing. You'll find that toxic spirituality can encompass spiritual superiority, spiritual bypassing, 
gaslighting and spiritual manipulation, materialistic or consumerist approaches to spirituality, and of course, exclusionary or discriminatory practices. So the first one with spiritual superiority, um, this is people who typically think that they're better or more important than others because their spiritual beliefs are better than others or more important, or they understand things that other people don't understand, um, or their practices are seen as superior to others. Mm -hmm. They might put other people down or look down on those who don't believe the same things or follow the same path, you know, you're not doing this right. Or, you know, you can't hex someone because I don't feel good with hexing someone. Like it's, it's very much this, uh, pedestal game of like, I'm higher up than you are and kind of like this competition thing. Right. Um, but this can lead to a very judgmental and exclusionatory uh, way of approaching things. So it, it can make it harder for people to be empathetic or understanding of other people's practices. Mm -hmm. So and I'm curious to hear your thoughts when it comes to spiritual superiority. Like, have you experienced it? If so, like, what are your thoughts about it? Or have you noticed yourself doing this? Because I, I think... I'm I'm going to call myself out a couple times in this episode for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually I have a a quick story about this. First, I want to say that you will typically see superiority in people. The easiest way to spot it is when they other themselves. Like when mm -hmm. they're talking about being more connected to the divine or to spirit or they're the only one that can utilize some kind of ability or gift and there's no way that you can possibly catch up to where they're at is where you'll most easily yeah. see spiritual superior superiority but for myself I definitely um at one point in time because I am a generational practitioner when I was first starting out I definitely felt this kind of um superiority complex for a little bit um before I was very much called out on it um just because of I had easier access to knowledge and being able to be taught my craft and my path and so for a little bit whether it was intentional or not, it was definitely there and it was within my bias until I was called out on it and was told like, just because you are generational and just because it runs in your family does not mean shit. So don't act like yeah. it because by acting like you're better than other people, you are doing yourself a disservice because you immediately are not credible and you are immediately not taking part in the true form of the craft, which is to step outside of your own ego and truly participate in the craft. Right. And I also struggled with that when I was first kind of opening up to my spiritual practice, because as a lot of you know, like my background is from a religious background, um, Christianity specifically. And so coming in from that place of still deconstructing and stuff like that, it was very much like an empowerment thing. And I just put off my egotism and like superiority complex in my practice to, oh, I'm just stepping into my power. You know, I'm just empowering myself. I'm just feeling really confident about myself, things like that. But really it was just me feeling like I needed to prove myself to the people in my past. And it made me almost like blow myself out of proportion to make them feel like they couldn't touch me. It was very much like an insecurity thing of me projecting this idea of like, I'm superior because I am doing something that you're not doing and like things like that, which is obviously toxic. And I don't think that I really even realized I was doing it 
until I started going through the deconstruction process. And then I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> what about you, Alyssa? I have experienced, I would say the heaviest exposure to toxic spirituality has been since becoming a TikTok creator. And mm, mm-hmm. I do see it prevalent in the community. It's everywhere. At, it's everywhere. Like yeah. record it's, amounts. It's yes. insanity. And I've also fallen victim to spiritual superiority as far as people doing it to me. So this would be if I have an opinion, a personal opinion that doesn't match what the other person's experience or opinion is, then um, the vitriol that can come from that is uh, pretty astounding, even though one can share one's opinion with the empathy and understanding that we're all on our own journey and that's and that's okay. Where you have to watch out with that is with not allowing colonization practices or cultural appropriation or things like that to yeah. seep into your practice. So it's important to walk a line between being empathetic and understanding and just accepting that other people will do what they do, but also being very aware of the realities of the fact that cultural appropriation is a huge deal and happens all the time and Mm -hmm. to make efforts to decolonize your practice. So I feel like spiritual superiority can kind of walk a line sometimes. Oh yeah. In that way. Yeah. I feel like it does dip into appropriation in, Mm -hmm. in the sense of like having come from Christianity and then going into new age spirituality before coming to my path. Now there is a lot of this idea of like, well, why is it close to me? Like it it is a very colonizer mindset. Mm -hmm. Like why isn't this available to me? It should be because I'm a person and like, (laughs) you know, like it just should be. And um, of course that's wrong, but like there is this, there's a lot of support for that kind of thinking within new age belief systems too. And a lot of modern witchcraft practices, because it's like, oh, well, you know, the earth grows white sage. So why wouldn't everybody be able to use it? You know? And it's, it's not about that. It's about the sacredness and the, the use of it within sacred practice within an indigenous practice, Mm -hmm. right? That's not, for people outside of that practice. Mm-hmm. So things like that. And I, I do think that that can be linked with spiritual superiority because it yeah. is putting yourself in a space of thinking, oh, I am superior enough to use this. Like I, I, yeah, that you're like above the, the, right. ground rules. the rules. Yeah. 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 And that's like exactly, that's exactly where it can be tricky. So it's, it's being able to have the knowledge and education on those important topics of decolonizing your practice and understanding cultural appropriation and what's available to you and what is not as far as ingredients and spirits and things like that and what's a closed practice etc while also having the respect and understanding that another person is going to do is going to have a practice that doesn't look like yours everybody is walking their own path Um, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of why I felt it was important to draw that connection because I can see it going and I've, we all have seen that. We've all seen that it go that far. Well, and it takes time. It takes time to like integrate new ways of thinking about things too. Mm -hmm. Like this is, Mm -hmm. it it takes time to reframe the, the neural pathways of like, you know, constantly going to this one pathway and having to rewrite that. It's okay to take time to decolonize your practice as long as you're doing it. 
Like if you yeah, have my. information that is coming for you that is helpful and helps you look at your practice critically, then that's good. Are you always going to be able to make those changes right away and integrate them on the deepest level? Probably not. But the effort being there is what matters. You know, that's that's really what matters is the effort is being put there. So don't beat yourself up if that's something that you're still working on because it takes time. Yeah. And I do want to say like, there's not a single one of us that have not been touched by toxic spirituality in some way mm -hmm. um, within ourselves, things that we have done in toxic spirituality or been affected by others who are presenting toxic spirituality. So yeah. in this process of discussing this, if you have been somebody who has portrayed these traits of toxic spirituality, it is not a shame point. It's more of yeah. you have yeah. awareness of it now. And if you didn't know you're doing these things, take a look at it now. So yeah. it's never like, like we all said, we're all calling ourselves out in this episode too, for things that we have done before. So it's not a shame point. It's a learning point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the spiritual spirit superiority thing too, I also want to mention is a common thing that's used within cults. So a lot of the talking points that we're going to go through in this episode, when we have them all together, that's like major red flag because mm -hmm. these elements all together can really point towards being in a space of cult-like behavior, especially if there are, it is a small group of people or a, a large group of people or one person who is putting themselves as the superior point, right? That everybody mm -hmm. comes to that. You'll see that a lot in churches too, of like, well, the pastor knows best because he's like closest to God. And so things like that. So it's just, it's important to be able to like keep these in mind when you're, you know, becoming part of um, spiritual groups and things like that. You might notice one or two and, you know, that's just part of being within spiritual communities in general. It's going to be there. It's going to be present. But as long as we have the awareness to look out for it, that's really what we're trying to do here is give you little flags that you can have in your head of being like, Ooh, that's, that's toxic. <laughs> Don't like, <laughs> yep. So let's move on to spiritual bypassing. Cause we've, we've seen a lot of this. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alyssa, why don't you start? Uh, so spiritual bypassing for those who don't know what that is, is basically when people will use their spiritual beliefs or their practices to sidestep or avoid dealing with their own emotional or personal problems. So that would be someone who's just pretending that everything is fine. They're ignoring real emotions, real feelings. And the reason why they do this is because it makes them feel or they believe that it makes them seem more spiritually enlightened or positive, which can prevent them from truly understanding their emotions and resolving their issues. And it lends itself to uh, toxic positivity. Yes. And this mm -hmm. can also be a problem with people utilizing um, messages from like deities yes. as yeah. ways for them to put through their own messages from those deities as a mask for mm -hmm. like that spiritual bypass of like, oh, well, if it's coming from me, they won't listen to it. But if it's coming from this deity that they work with, you know, things like that. So that that's right. hard to do because if someone is really wanting 
connection with a deity that maybe they're having trouble getting in contact with and someone is like he's like actually i have a message <laughs> <laughs> i i have a message from bastet um <laughs> And spiritual bypassing is bullshit. <laughs> My name is Lord Kitterton, and you shall hear me roar. <laughs> um, but yeah, like people will use the excuse of, you know, I have this message from a deity that you're working with, and they told me this. And sometimes it can be our own bias or that person's bias coming through in that message. And sometimes people don't even realize that they're doing it. Like, mm -hmm. I want to make it clear that a lot of times, I, I don't want to say all the time, because obviously there is some awareness, but there can be times when people don't even realize they're doing something that's toxic because they genuinely feel that it is intuition or, you know, a deity giving this information or something like that. But there does have to be some awareness when you are getting messages for someone, if they've asked you to do that, where the, you know, confirming the messages in multiple ways outside of just your intuitive um, stuff can be really, really helpful in kind of dispelling any second guessing of whether or not that is intuitively picked up on or it's related to your own bias right. exactly and yeah. spiritual bypassing can also i mean this relates to what Alyssa was talking about with um toxic positivity mm -hmm. i've seen this a lot on like live streams and things like that um yeah. where people are talking about like when people are having like real life problems or real life emotional yes. or mental distress and they're like well, if you just like meditate more, or if you just do yeah. this more in your practice, and that's not the answer. Are they helpful yeah. tools that can be used alongside of real problem solutions? Yes. But like right. the painting everything with this like broad brush of like, you have to like do light and love and like forgive everything and like let go of it. That's not right. realistic, nor is it okay, nor is it handling your problems. And yeah when it comes to forgiveness especially and toxic spirituality and spiritual bypassing this is a topic that really frustrates me because forgiveness can be so mis misconstrued by people who use spiritual bypassing yes. they elicit this idea that forgiveness or letting go of things that have happened to you in your past looks like you know just like everything's fine now I just chose yeah. to forgive it. I just chose to or let like, it go. Or like, you're drinking the poison die. meant for someone else. Right. And, just, and like, at the end of the day, like with this, and I'm sorry, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like at the end of the day, forgiveness is for you. And it never, ever, ever has to look like looking at anything that has happened to you and saying, that is okay. That person yeah. is good in my book. Yeah. For all of attorney, you can say, fuck that person and fuck yes. what happened. That was not okay. But it's about yes. figuring out where do we go from here? And how do I not hold that against myself anymore? But people yes. who use spiritual bypassing will use it as a tool of being like, well, you're not enlightened if you can't just let it go. If you can't just like choose to be happy, like, wow, Patricia, I never thought of that. Like, <laughs> well, because it's ignoring that, like that. I mean, I, I hate to call it the shadow aspect of us, but like, we all know where I'm talking about, but I don't have a right. better word to use, but like that part of us that we just kind of shun or don't look at, or we don't want to acknowledge, like 
those things are there. We yeah, have to be aware of them. Part. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like trying to ignore your depression and being like, Oh, I'm not depressed. I can just, you know, say that I'm not depressed and then I'm not depressed anymore. Yeah, like, okay, so that is today. So I'm good. Like that is literally yeah. what I want to call out right now is one thing that I have noticed has gained a lot of traction in popular media and has been a concept that's been perpetuated a lot basically since COVID and it falls perfectly in line with what you were just saying and falls under spiritual bypassing and toxic positivity and that is the fucking law of attraction oh my god oh no (laughs) oh no you just activated the anger point in all of us my like my soul opened and screamed (laughs) (laughs) for those who don't know what the law of attraction is let me just give you a really brief overview of it so basically law of attraction or abbreviated to be loa is the idea that like attracts like that similar things are attracted to one another insofar that if you are thinking negatively then you will attract negative experiences whereas if you think positively ridiculous if you think positively it will produce desirable positive experiences all of that makes me so anxious let me just tell you like i have anxiety we all have anxiety like all of us three but like that that shit sets mine off like that makes me so i still deal with that I still deal with that. Every single time I do spell work, I have to fight with my brain from being programmed to think that way, to be like, it literally doesn't matter. Because let's say you're dealing with depression, right? And you want to do a spell for yourself just to kind of like help yourself feel better. Like you're doing something right in your practice to maybe ease that a little bit. Obviously not a replacement for medication. We all know that. But mm-hmm. as a way for you to do something actionable that can help you maybe calm your nerves a little bit and feel like you're making progress in a physical way. You cannot be like, oh, let me turn off my depression for five minutes while I do this working (laughs) to help me with my depression. It's ableist. It's It's so so fucking ableist. It's the most, yeah, the idea that you can just, that you can just make a choice for like real life things to not exist as if so ridiculous because it's like saying like cars don't drive like what yeah yeah or like don't you think if we could do that we wouldn't even be struggling with it in the first place what it is like i haven't asked for that every day of my life right right and what it is 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 it's this and the people who use it the people who teach it talk about it perpetuate it and push it what the people on the receiving end don't seem to understand is that they are absorbing a concept that puts the blame entirely on you for yes. feeling things. Oh my God. Is, and it's we not see that your a lot fault. in Christianity. Yes. Like you see that a yes. lot in Christianity. And mm-hmm. it's just taking that and repackaging it as something more palatable to people who have first pulled away from yes. Christianity because it feels kind of like home while feeling a little bit better. Yeah. Yes. And I just want to state here for anyone out there who is wondering why you are struggling so much in life and things are just going really badly or you are struggling to pay your bills or your rent or your car payments or whatever the fuck you're struggling with. Capitalism, babes. It's fucking (laughs) capitalism. It's not you. It's them. And I just want to say that because sometimes we need the reminder. (laughs) 
and literally everything else going on in this hellscape of yeah. the world right now there's so much going on I it's promise you it's not because you had anxiety on a Thursday yeah <laughs> like <laughs> yes that. It's, a, it's a really important thing to watch out for uh and and I'm and I'm highlighting it now as uh, a red flag and, and we'll talk about the red yes. flags a little bit later and I will absolutely make the connection to the people who perpetuate the law of attraction so that you know exactly what to look for um yes. but that's unfortunately that is the kind of content that gets printed in magazines that's the kind yes. of shit that goes in little shorts on your YouTube mm -hmm. and TikToks and your Instagram everywhere you look there's law of attraction or some type of repackaged bullshit that is similar to, if not exactly that. And it yeah. is so unbelievably toxic. Yes. So Becca, would you like to get into the next point of sure. gaslighting and spiritual manipulation? Yeah. So gaslighting and spiritual manipulation. This is very prevalent within the community there are people who use spiritual or religious ideas to con control or manipulate others they might make others feel like their emotions or experiences are wrong or invalid they may act like they have special knowledge or power and they use it to take advantage of others and make them do what they want them to do not so what they what the person feels like they should be doing yeah yeah that's it's it's terribly prevalent in mm -hmm. TikTok spaces, YouTube spaces, like it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But this, we do also see this within religious circles as well, like Christianity and things like that of, you know, you, someone having an experience and sometimes it's even validated in the moment and then later invalidated. And that can be really scary too. Like if, for example, maybe someone has an experience with a deity or something like that, you have an experience that you you have and you share it with someone and someone's like wow that's really amazing like yeah i've had an experience with them too and then later when you try to talk to them about it they're just like yeah i don't know for sure if you were interacting with that deity like what if it was someone else you know even though they validated it at the time and that can be a, a really amazing way to invalidate someone's practice. <laughs> and this um, one is so closely linked to the spiritual superiority. They go mm -hmm. hand yes. in hand. They do. More yes. so than I think the others go hand in hand. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the concept of the superiority of being like being in a space where you feel that you are superior enough to judge and exclude. So too, can you be, you feel like you're in a space to take advantage and control another person's experiences and gaslight them into thinking the way that you do. And right. that is cult leader behavior. And yes. we do see that even today there it's this behavior is it's dangerous in the sense that this one also kind of walks a line too, though, similar to the uh, spiritual superiority and um, being sure not to allow cultural appropriation and um, you know, colonizing practices and, and stuff like that but this one also walks a line in the sense that you do not want like you want to be aware of real issues in the spiritual community such as psychosis and so you want yeah. to be able to um have some general understanding of it never diagnose someone if you're not a professional but yeah. the the yeah. reason why i say this one kind of walks out line is because if somebody's coming to you and saying this is my experience it's super real to them 
mm-hmm. it, it could possibly be, depending on what they're telling you, exhibiting right. spiritual psychosis, which is a very real problem. So yes. it's kind of one of those things where it's like in a person's regular practice, if they're like, hey, man, like I've, I'm going to give you a personal example. So for for me as a baneful practitioner, I believe that there is light and dark in in any ingredient that you have. So I will right. use lavender in baneful magic. And there have been people who were like, well, I don't use it because I don't believe it, it, you can use it in a negative way. Um, so therefore, if you do, you're wrong. And everything you do is invalid as a result. So that isn't, that would be a good example of gaslighting me into feeling like what works for me shouldn't work for me. Whereas if somebody's coming at um, you and saying, I believe I'm a reincarnated God and everything that I'm being told is my job to change the world. And it's mm-hmm. my job to convince everybody to follow my ideas. And that's real to me. It, do you see where I'm going with this? Where it can oh, yeah. be a line yeah. between being like really a, something that you should take note of, of like what they're saying. And just it's contextual, right? This is all contextual. And you'll find that throughout this entire conversation, just like with almost every topic Ariel and I cover on Ghost Tea Podcast, you'll want discernment. With gaslighting and manipulation, um, kind of going with what Alyssa was saying, it can, it definitely range from those two examples, but it also usually always starts small. It mm-hmm. usually always starts at that lavender level, which by the way, yes. I also use in baneful working. So it's amazing. But... <laughs> it is. <laughs> I really love using poppy seed. Yep. Yeah. Poppy seed's actually super good. Mm-hmm. It's an but opiate. It can start at those like really small levels where like people are saying things and you're like, um, you know, I don't agree with that. And I don't like how they're going about that. I can maybe excuse it because they have this other information and like, I like the things that they're doing here, but then you'll notice gradually over time when people are allowed to get get away with a level of gaslighting and manipulation, it always ramps up until you get to that level where they're like, I actually am a reincarnated God. And I actually am here to lead you specifically. And you should feel so special that I have chosen you. Mm -hmm. And that's why you should listen to me. It's absolutely the frog in the boiling water metaphor. It's they will turn up the heat over time so slowly that you don't even realize it's a problem until other people see you. And they're like, Oh my God, are you okay? (laughs) Like it's because you just don't see it when you're in it. And I personally experienced people doing this to me as well, where, you know, I would be doing something in my practice and they would act totally fine about it. And then I would come home and they would have like a list of things that I was doing wrong. And like, well, I don't think you should be doing that. And I don't think you should be doing this because spirit told me that this is like what you should be doing. And I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> like, It was... Your gut will tell you to like, I know it seems like it won't, but there you y'all have like instincts, right? And they are going to have indicators. Like you might just feel really uncomfortable with someone, something that someone is saying, and you might overthink it and be like, you know what? It's nothing. I'm just making a big deal about nothing. Document it anyway. Document it anyway. Like if you can see over time, that there's a lot of upsetting situations that are happening with someone or a creator or something like that, that's a good indicator that they're just not someone that you should be watching or someone that you should be connecting to. 
And also talk to other people. I'm not saying you have to handle yeah. this in the comment section. That's probably the worst place to do it. Right, right. But if you then they're feel gonna uneasy, know. yeah, if you feel uneasy about something or you're questioning what somebody has said and it's coming off a little like, mm, that seems not quite right. Mm-hmm. Whether it's with a creator on the internet or someone in your life, like in Ariel's circumstance, if you repeat back to somebody, to a third party, what is happening or the discussion you may not realize it when you were saying it, if you were kind of, if they have kind of trapped you in what they're saying, yeah. but the other person will for sure hear it and they'll be able to yes. come back to you and be like, Hey, I don't know about this. So if you're ever questioning or nervous about something that you've like heard or seen or a behavior that people are exhibiting and you feel like you're getting put into this little box or this cage, talk to someone about it as well as what Ariel said, take note of it, like yeah. clock it. And ideally someone who's not within that circle that you're in, if it's a community or someone who doesn't follow that person or follows them, but is very critical of their things, because that's going to be someone who's looking at it from an outside perspective. Like that, I think is a trap that we see a lot within Christian circles is like you go for advice to other people who are within your community and they're also going to be dealing with the gaslighting. So it's like they're they're probably right. not going to notice the uh red flags the way that someone outside of that community would because and they're they're in it too. <laughs> they're the boiling frog right next to you. <laughs> right. And it's in no way encouraging like dog pile behavior or like yeah, you know yeah. t- like tearing somebody down when they're not in the room basically. It's in no way encouraging that, but more of an objective discussion. Like taking the feelings out of it and looking at what is on the table and how do we feel about that? Looking at it without right. all of the extra ingredients, what is this that we're looking at? Mm-hmm. I also want to add that there is this personal accountability as far as being aware of it and doing the best you can while also acknowledging that the people who tend to be very good at at this, at spiritual manipulation, will it's not your fault if you get manipulated yeah. because you yeah. may oh, have yeah. you may have Definitely been in a space in your life where you were vulnerable and that's the people they prey on that's the kind mm-hmm. of people that's like cult leader stuff and that's why i can't stop thinking about like for the example of like waco texas the yep. <laughs> you know yep. the seventh day adventist mm-hmm. uh church uh branch off fringe offshoot of the branch davidians um probably a lot of you have heard about it and I highly encourage you to read about it and take a look at the behaviors that were exhibited from uh, that particular cult. And it, it, it does have this start small sort of idea where it's manipulation on a small scale that gets even more intense and more extreme over time. And it's not your fault if you fall prey to a manipulation that is that has been honed over many, many years. Cause these aren't people who, these are people who are very calculated. These are yeah. people who yeah. know how to manipulate others using the guise of spirituality or the guise of God slash gods to mm-hmm. be behind them so that you don't question anything they say or anything they do. Right. Right. And like Becca said earlier, like it starts off small, like you can start with conspiracy theories of just mm-hmm. being like, wow, did you realize that they're putting stuff in our food and stuff like that? And then it just slowly builds up, like start with believable things and then move into just absolutely unbelievable things to anybody else. But at that point, 
they've built it up so much that you're just like, oh, well, if that's true, then of course this is true. Things like that. It's really scary, but you don't even realize how quickly it can escalate. And a lot of times, like the people who are like, well, I would never be in a cult. Like I would never are honestly, sometimes the people who are most at risk because you think that you are absolutely unable to be influenced that way and everybody is susceptible to it like Mm -hmm. anybody can be gaslit and sometimes you won't even know it's happening until it's too late Mm -hmm. so it's if you've ever been dealing with that or if you've dealt with it or if you're currently dealing with it um just know that it happens to the best of us it happens to everybody um and we have all experienced at some point some form of manipulation or gaslighting and it's not something to beat yourself up over. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. it happens, unfortunately. Okay. So getting into the next point we have is materialistic or consumeristic approaches. Spirituality sometimes gets too focused on getting material things like um, having money or fancy spiritual practices and products that you use and tools and things like that. And it can make people feel like they're really important to have as part of spirituality and it can make you lose sight of what really matters in your practice, which is just growing spiritually. And you don't really need any tools to grow spiritually. Now I will say I fell into this trap recently, actually. I recently moved and I didn't have any of my stuff for like a week. And I was like, oh, it's going to be fine. But like, I felt so disconnected from my practice because I have grown so reliant on having candles available to me and my herbs and my ingredients and things like that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to use ingredients, but I do think it is important to try to have things in your practice outside of the tools that you use to help you feel comfortable during those times and to not beat yourself up for not having fancy tools to use or things like that, because it doesn't mean that your practice is any less valid. It just doesn't look aesthetically pleasing or it doesn't look super fancy or it's not super expensive. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. I would like to draw attention to Uh, What I have noticed over my time as both a witch and as someone who offers services to other people and coaching, one of the things I've noticed is that it tends to stem from Wicca-centered material. And I'm going to explain what I mean. By the way, there's I have... I have my own personal opinions on some of the beliefs that, uh, that center around the religion of Wicca. But if that is something that you believe in, there's no problem with that. But I do want to draw attention to what I've noticed is that with the with the books that are, have been available up until within the last, I would say, maybe five to ten years, yeah, majority of them were Wicca centered. And with Wicca, yes. there is a reliance on having what they believe to be the appropriate altar, meaning you have to have all these little pieces. You have to right. have a chalice. You have to have an athame. You have to have you know feather, and you have to have all these individual things. And then it gives the reader who's brand new to the you know spirituality the idea that that is the only way you can have a functional altar or an altar that will function at all and right. it's something that i've noticed that you know our society commodifies whatever it can everything is uh, profit driven so if there is something to make money off of they will so 
if you even if you were to like google like which altar kits you're probably going to see the appropriative white sage bundles you're going to see an abalone shell you're going to see probably a chalice you're going to see some crystals you're going to see chime candles you're going to see feathers you're going to see you know like an athame you're going to see all these things that have largely centered around the concept of a functional altar from wicca and again yeah. i feel like that directly stemmed from what kind of information was available prior to there being a more diverse selection of pagan and witchcraft books that we have today but i do think that you know and that's why we do see even today people confusing witchcraft to wicca and thinking they're the same thing or that if you're a witch yeah. then you're a wiccan yeah. or if you're a wiccan then you're a witch etc um so that's what i have noticed in my experience it seems mm -hmm. to be a direct correlation between the two but i do not know for sure if that is the same reality writ large but from like i said what i've experienced from my own consumer consuming books and resources and also helping people who have consumed their own books and resources it tends to always funnel back to the first commodified piece of witchcraft which tends to be wicca centered yeah so those are all really good points i definitely want to start out by saying like if you like the pretty things and the shiny things and you know witchcraft tools and crystals and stuff like that there's nothing wrong with that and none of us yeah. are saying that because yeah. who doesn't we all yeah. love it but right. i think <laughs> the problem lies in when you have people telling you you have to have this one thing or you are not a true mm -hmm. practitioner you yeah. have to have yeah. these things or you are not worshiping correctly or right. you perpetuate that within your own practice because at the end of the day the power lies within yourself mm -hmm. and it's about being able to craft and hone your power are there things that can help you with that um, because of the energies that they hold or the different metaphysical properties that they have? Absolutely. Is it necessary to be a practitioner? Absolutely not. So yep. while it's completely okay to have, you know, crystals and, you know, daggers and whatever you want to have for your practice that helps you celebrate your practice, it is important that you do not place all of the value of your practice in those material items rather than in yourself and what you are actually doing. And it's important to ask yourself the why behind what you're doing, not through the material things. Because I think the problem that comes with the materialism within the craft is that you lose sometimes if you place all of your value in the materialism, you lose the part of your brain that makes you actually do the work. You think that you have these material yeah. things and you have them all set out and well, you burn this candle with the herbs on it, but did you actually do any work in that process? Or right. did you watch it burn down and that that was that? So I think that's another problem is people rely on the material things to do the work for them without doing the work themselves because that's what they were told would make the car go. Right. Yeah, because like it's it's not the herbs. Like like for example, herbs have metaphysical properties right we know this because we use them in our crafts but it's not like you can use herbs on a candle but if you're not putting an intention into that candle it's just an herb herbed up candle like it's just a candle with herbs on it because like there is this kind of like i i call it almost like an activation process that happens when you intentionally put the ingredients together like 
you're not just throwing a bunch of things in a bowl and saying, okay, this is it. Like, cool. You know, fix me a little shit. Like it's nothing like that. It's about like, you know, putting these herbs in. And I, I've actually experimented with it myself of like, if I just throw these herbs together for the same exact, you know, intention as this other candle doing it at the same time, same astrological things, you know, whatever I have going that is contributing to that, that, scenario and, and, um, spell I'm doing an activation with the herbs for one singing to them, telling them what they're doing for me, you know, asking them to assist like things like that. And then chucking them all together in a bowl and pouring them on a candle in the other and doing it to where I'm actually like putting that intention into it and really putting my, my own energy into it, but also asking, of the energy of the plants or the the intentions of the plants to be infused within that spell it's so much more effective when i do that than it is when i don't it's it like actually changed my practice a lot when i started doing that but that just goes to show you like yes you can have all of the herbs that you want to do a working but that doesn't necessarily mean that that working is going to work for you just because you have the herbs for it. Like the herbs are only one part of the equation and it's, it's just, it's one tenth of it. You got to put in the rest of it too, for it to be, be working for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that we, uh, especially at the beginning of our practice are more susceptible to falling prey to the idea of, I need to buy all of these herbs because yeah. those are the only ones I see in the books. Mm -hmm. Or um, I need to buy all of these crystals because it's the only ones I see in the books. And again, coming full circle to exactly what Ariel and Becca have been saying, there is nothing wrong with having those tools. I have my own. They're fantastic. However, it is exactly the concept behind utilizing the tools as a way to sidestep the... um, the personal self-discovery it's it's like if i purchase this my life will change or it will give me the ability to change my life without actually doing the inner work and the the realizing of like your your own personal goals and coming back to what becca said and is my favorite thing to always ask people is your why statement like why are you pursuing spirituality why are you pursuing witchcraft and no answer is right or wrong it just is what it is so be honest with yourself so there is that aspect but also too if you are someone who has a like myself I have a very addictive personality and I hyperfixate so if I hyperfixate on a particular topic then I feel a weird sense of like pull that I need to have every single piece of whatever it is I'm reading or learning about and I've done it with crystals, obviously. I've been a crystal collector for a long time. And <laughs> that was one of the, my problems was like, I need to have one of everything that exists. Same. Same. <laughs> and uh, I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like herbs and crystals are the two I see the most where people are yeah. like, I need to have every herb mm-hmm. that exists yep. and every crystal <laughs> that exists. And Listen, like I said, it's fine to have those things, but don't put yourself in a place of detriment or assume yeah. that if you if you're missing something that you cannot be successful in your craft or that yeah. you cannot be successful in your right. spirituality. So because well, there's substitutions for pretty much everything. Like you can pretty much substitute everything at some point in some way 
it might not be the way that you feel is most powerful to utilize that energy or put that intention into something, but it's still going to work. Like, oh, yeah, like you can go to your backyard or mm-hmm. really anywhere and anything that you need for whatever you're putting together, you can find. Yep. You don't mm-hmm. have to have mm-hmm. like the exact like six cloves and a sprig of rosemary and this and then that. Like you can find substitutions everywhere and anywhere. And that's the beauty of the craft. It didn't start out with all of the materialistic objects and all of yeah. the things. It well, didn't they were start really out that way limited. whatsoever. It started out with like, what can we forage? What can we, what can we do here? Like, how can we use like our labor as an offering or like this and that? It didn't start out as like having all the fucking things. So right, right. at this point in time, it still is not that. The essence of it is yourself and your the ability that you hold and the power that you hold and how you use it and what you put it into in your life. It's never, it never has been about the material things. So if somebody is telling you, you have to have all of these things or you're not a true practitioner, red flag. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the next subsection of toxic spirituality is exclusionary or discriminatory practices. So in some spiritual or religious groups, people are treated unfairly and left out because of things like their race, gender, sexuality, or social status. And this isn't right, and it goes against the principles of genuine spiritual growth and unity. It is important to include and respect everyone, no matter who they are or where they come from. I think it is important to also note that when when we're talking about things like being left out because of things like race, for example... This does not include closed practices because closed practices are inherently the initiation and the right to practice that is like base level that has to happen. There's no way around it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So exclusionary and discriminatory practices are not included um, for like closed practices as far as race goes. If you're not Mm -hmm. part of that practice, you're not part of it. But you can see this in like, especially on TikTok, every once in a while, something will go around about how like men can't be witches. And that is crazy to me. And that there are different like kinds of practitioners and things like that based on your social status or your gender or sexuality and stuff like that. And that like, there are some people who are less than you'll see it every once in a while on TikTok. And that is a crazy thought process to me because it just doesn't make any sense. The craft has always been open for everyone. Yeah. It's just, it is for people. Anybody can be a witch. Right. Mm -hmm. Where I I tend to see the exclusionary or discriminatory practices also in combination with the other things we've talked about with the spiritual superiority as if they know better, which justifies why someone or some group of people would be excluded for some reason or another. Like, oh, my God said that, you know, if you're bisexual you can't experience spiritual ascension or some bullshit like that you know like it it tends to kind of go like we're talking about these individually but these are all interwoven in various different ways and definitely highlighting exactly what becca said this does not include closed practices you are not you know that is not that doesn't apply here that is either for you or not for you and it is the basis of having somebody who is explicitly saying you cannot be a part of this because of your race, gender, or sexuality, or social status in, a, in the sense that 
it would otherwise be available to you without them saying that. So right. let's say, you know, I see this not to harp. I know you two are Norse pagans, but I have to bring it up. Oh, um, God, in, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> we all see it. You know, Norse paganism is unfortunately one of the ones yeah. where we see this a lot when mm-hmm. it comes to race. Uh, you will have a lot of white supremacists and white supremacy ideals that hide behind Norse paganism or weave their white supremacy into Norse paganism as a way to exclude people who are not white or of different sexualities or social statuses, etc. Yeah, it's it's a really common thing used within the spiritual community to be like, oh, well, you know, you don't have white heritage. And I'm like, what does that even mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? Like so many of the indigenous people of England even were like dark skinned. Yeah, a lot of Celtic people. There are um, the Celtic, like the general like culture isn't just specifically in the UK it's actually also in the Iberian Peninsula so Spain and Portugal because there was a migration from Spain and Portugal into the UK it was when there was wars going on and things like that but then people decided to stay and it became ingrained in the culture so you will see people who are Celtic and Celtic pagan that are not like you know quote-unquote stereotypically white and that's the same thing with Norse paganism Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we see this um, too with, and correct me if I'm wrong if this doesn't apply, but we see this too with with practices, like we were talking about this the other day with like Celtic paganism and even, uh, you know, Scottish paganism, things like that from those European countries. They're like, well, you're in America. Like, why would you be practicing our practices from oh, our country? Yeah. But this like, happens to me all the time. Does that apply under that or would that yes. not be? Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I have people, my dad is an immigrant. And even if he wasn't, it does not matter. But I will on on my TikTok, I'll often talk about Celtic practices, or Celtic history and things because that is my family, that is my heritage. And that is what I know. And that's what I want to share with people. And I will, I mean, I can count on it every single time to have somebody in my comments telling me that because I am American, and because I don't seem, I don't have an accent or anything like that, that I am not allowed to talk about those things. I'm not allowed to practice those things. But Celtic paganism is an open practice. And that is also a whole other argument that people have. It's wrong. Celtic paganism is an open practice. There are subsections of it that are partially closed. And we talked about that in the Druidry episode. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it happens to me all the time. And it definitely falls under this. And it is something that is upsetting to me because it's like, this is my generational practice in my family. This is what I've always known. And then I'm having people tell me that I'm not allowed to practice that when they have no idea who I am. But also it doesn't right. matter if they did or didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. keep in mind that what we're talking about is uh, folkism. So folkism is where it's the belief that any faith, tradition, or path must be explicitly tied to and some people will pull these next ones out individually or combine them all together is tied to a person's ancestry culture ethnicity or blood and specifically in open practices you will still see focusism you will still see focists who will say well if you aren't a hundred percent in my case I've, i see them all the time with hellenic polytheism yeah. um if you're not a hundred percent greek and live in greece you have no right to be part of the hellenic polytheist you know 
which community yeah that doesn't make sense to me because like there are a lot of people who live in america now their ancestors or you know great great grandmothers or you know whoever immigrated from other places and so it's like what are we supposed to practice if we were born Mm -hmm. here but we're not indigenous to this land right like what are we supposed to practice are we supposed to make up a new practice i rarely get into like the back and forth but um under one of my videos about celtic paganism I kind of had um, this discussion with somebody and I was like, dog, I don't know how to explain immigration to you. Like if you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like people come from all over, but also in open practices, you don't have to have the lineage. And it doesn't matter if you were like, you know, 50 ancestors ago is where you had that lineage. It doesn't matter if you don't have it at all. If it's an open practice and you're called to it, it's, it's open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My name is Ariel Willow. I'm a clairvoyant medium and a cultist with over a decade of experience of helping others build deeper connections with spirit and themselves and improve or reconnect to their abilities. My services cater towards abilities coaching, deity practice, astrology, and more. Visit www.ariowillow.com to find out more. It's time to step into your power. Are you new to witchcraft or wanting to improve your practice? Then my Patreon is for you. My name is Alyssa. I am a practitioner with over 10 years of experience, and I want to help you to take your practice to the next level. Within my Patreon, you'll find information on the history of witchcraft, the science of magic, exercises for strengthening your clear abilities, spellcrafting and how-tos, baneful magic, and so much more. Join today via patreon.com slash Mystic. Let me help you unlock your magic. Hi, my name is Becca and I'm the owner of The Mystics Lounge. I'm a medium, clairvoyant, and intuitive with over a decade of experience. My goal is to help you better connect with yourself, spirit, and the world around you through spirit team sessions, mediumship, past life sessions, and tarot readings. You can find me and book at themysticslounge.com or find me on TikTok at The Mystics Lounge and that is mystics with an S. I'm excited to meet you and help you find new avenues of communication with spirit. Okay, so we are going to now explore some red flags that we think are important for you to keep in mind and to watch out for as you are consuming uh, spirituality-related media um, of of many different types, whether it's books or whether it's social media, etc. Or if you're going to be uh, seeking out professional assistance in the spiritual world or witchcraft world, etc. So there's a few different red flags to keep in to keep in mind as you are moving your way through your spiritual journey. And the one of the ones that is really, really obvious is excessive control, meaning that the person or you see that the other person doing this to other people, whether it's to you or to other people, be cautious if somebody tries to control what you think or control what you do. And again, this is very much linked to what we were talk- talking about before with uh, spiritual superiority and spiritual manipulation. Excessive control is one of, the, one of the ways that people will try to manipulate. And so everyone has the freedom to make their own choices. You have the freedom to pull yourself away from people like that and to not support people like that who exhibit excessive control. Another thing is lack of accountability. So if this person 
refuses to admit that they make mistakes or refuses to address mistakes they've made or missteps, um, crossing boundaries, things like that, that is really, really important to keep in mind. It's, it's really important for the people who you're learning from or that you are receiving sessions from to be people who are willing to say, hey, I was wrong about this thing. I want to apologize or I want to correct myself. I said this. It came across this way. That's not how I intended it. Like it shows a level of maturity that's really important for someone that you're learning from. Um, you want to be learning from someone who's comfortable being uncomfortable in that way. So that can be really, really important as well. Another one would be exploitative practices. So this is when people are trying to sell you something that doesn't really offer a lot of value. And not only that, they're trying to sell it at an outrageous price. And they are convincing you that you have to have this and you have to have like this, um, you know, couple hour long session that they are offering at like $5,000 or this like week long class that they're offering, but they don't actually teach a lot of information in it. Or it's a lot of like this gaslighting kind of thing where they're trying to tell you what you should believe in and you should believe in their way. And you'll see this a lot in many different ways um, and through many different means, but you have to be careful when somebody is trying to take advantage of you. And especially when they're trying to pressure you into spending that amount of money on their programs or their services that don't actually provide value, but they make you feel bad if you don't purchase it or make you feel less than. Another one is isolation and alienation. And oh, this one really, this one can be so nefarious because it can start small and then get worse, just like we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. in the frog in the boiling water. So pay attention if there's someone who tries to separate you from your friends, your family, your support systems, and try to pull you away from the people that you know and that you trust. And you should know that healthy spiritual spaces will encourage connections, will encourage the sharing of information, personal, personal growth, respecting existing relationships and respecting personal boundaries and spiritual boundaries, etc. And where this can get really, really dangerous is if you, and the, this is also tied to the spiritual superiority uh, as well and spiritual manipulation and even discriminatory, where if you, if you have an experience where somebody is trying to tell you that only they can be trusted or what you're experiencing with them is too special and too unique to share, so like mm -hmm. making you keep secrets or yeah. keep promises mm -hmm. that you can't share with other people because it's only nobody else will understand and nobody yeah. else can be trusted. Like this can be, get very, very dangerous or they make you feel like you are um, like only you and nobody else in your life is worthy of something that they are either selling or like a manipulative tactic to try to draw you in by making it seem very, exclusive in some way mm -hmm. that can be a tactic for isolation and alienation so be very cautious of that you want to surround yourself with people who encourage community connections growth and discernment and boundaries and not just understanding them but enforcing them and in a space where you will not be pulled away from everything and everyone that you love 
And another one is lack of boundaries. This can kind of go into the gaslighting and spiritual manipulation as well, because someone can also make you feel like it's wrong for you to not feel comfortable with them sharing something with you or make you feel guilty about it, which we'll get into the next point. But lack of boundaries does also go into ethics, um, which we'll get into in a little bit as well. But boundaries would look like someone sharing information with you that you did not consent to hearing. So for example, someone might tune into your situation without your consent, try to share that information with you when you aren't comfortable hearing it. For example, um, you know, maybe some situation is happening between you and a partner or something like that. And you share with this person in confidence what's going on. And then they use, you know, the excuse that they had a dream about your relationship or Aditi's talking to them uh, about your relationship and things like that. That can show a lack of boundaries that needs to be addressed. It's okay to set boundaries with friends. It's okay to set boundaries with leaders of a spiritual community, um, someone you trust, someone you don't trust. Like Boundaries are so important in so many areas of life, so don't be afraid to set them. If something makes you uncomfortable, don't be afraid to just say, I don't feel comfortable having you tune into this. Like I didn't consent to you doing that. It's not comfortable for me when you do that. That is a really important thing to keep in mind because that is also your spiritual protection. It's it's a protective measure and it should be utilized. Another good one is excessive pressure or guilt. So it's really important that you pay attention to people or groups that try to make you feel guilty or force you into a certain way of believing or practicing or even financial commitments because genuine spiritual spaces encourage personal growth without using manipulation tactics and they don't want you to feel like you are being pressured to be there or that you feel guilty for not doing something. Genuine spiritual spaces encourage you to grow as you will and follow your path as you will and be there to support you and to hear different perspectives about the craft because no two people practice the same. So it's important that you understand when people are trying to pressure you into their ways of believing or into some kind of retreat that you don't feel comfortable going to. That's a huge financial commitment or a different practice that you're not comfortable practicing. If somebody is pressuring you into it or making you feel excessively guilty for the way that you choose to practice with your own path, that is a red flag. Exactly. And another one is intolerance and judgment. So be aware of spaces where there is intolerance, judgment, exclusion based on things like race, gender, and also in beliefs as well. So this is directly tied to the exclusionary or discriminatory practices that we were talking about before, where people are treated unfairly. Because in authentic spiritual growth and in authentic spiritual communities, they embrace diversity, they respect different perspectives, they can have an open, mature dialogue about differing perspectives and different beliefs and traditions and things like this. I actually experienced this before, even just recently. Um, I joined a Discord group and I got uh, asked what I practice and I shared and then they explicitly asked me if I talk to people who have passed on. And I said, yeah, I talked to like my ancestors and uh, spirits and things like that. And I got kicked out of the discord group. And um, it was very strange to me because it was supposed to be, it was marketed as a very tolerant place for pagans. Um, except if you 
identify or believe you can speak with people who have passed on. So everybody's yeah. everybody's mm-hmm. allowed there except for you, uh, if that's where you fall into, which was very strange to me. Uh, so that was just one example. And but there are many where it can be a lot more nefarious and a lot more abusive than than even that example. So just beware of uh, this sense of intolerance and judgment when it is based on race, gender, or beliefs. And another one is lack of transparency. So this can be a really tough one because sometimes it won't be as apparent as others. This one can kind of go under the radar for a little bit sometimes because it will just seem like someone just, you know, doesn't want to talk about something or they just don't feel comfortable about it. So this can sometimes look like uh, someone being asked a question about something and they're just like, oh, well, I just, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about that when they have previously stated that they're very knowledgeable in that area. Mm-hmm. Things like that. You know, if someone doesn't want to answer a question, they're not under any obligation to answer it. But if they claim that they are experienced in a certain area or something like that, they should be ans- able to answer simple questions about that thing or state that they are still learning about it and still gathering that knowledge. People who especially are spiritual teachers should be comfortable in saying, oh, I, yeah, I know um, about this due to the experiences I've had or the research that I've done, but this area of that thing or this area of this other thing is something that I'm still learning about. That should be something that they're comfortable doing. Vulnerability as far as like where you're at in your learning of something, but also transparency and authenticity is really important um, in spiritual leaders and in teachers that you are going to or mentors. So if you feel like they're withholding things, just you know, keep things at arm's length until you can feel better about them kind of being more open and honest and willing to provide information about what it is that you're looking to learn. So now that we've covered a whole bunch of topics around toxic spirituality and some red flags to watch out for, it is only appropriate that we kind of segue in to mention ethics and spirituality, which is something that we've touched on in a a few of our previous uh, podcast episodes before. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important in this context as well, because spiritual ethics refers to the principles, values, and moral guidelines that guide individuals in their spiritual beliefs and their practices. So it involves understanding and integrating ethical considerations into one's spiritual journey, especially if they offer spiritual services, and recognizing the interconnect interconnectedness between spirituality and ethical behavior. And Ariel, there is something around this that you wanted to mention. Yes. And that is ethics within mediumship, which Alyssa and I went over this in our mediumship episode, as well as in our death work uh, episodes as well. But it's something that I, I see often um, in mediumship spaces, spaces, especially where you know, people are tuning into someone's loved one. And here's, here's the thing that I want to mention is that as someone with intuitive gifts, if you are someone who experiences spirit or you receive intuitive information, it's okay to receive that information without asking for it, right? Sometimes that's going to happen and there's not really a way to avoid it. But the difference, and this is where I think people lose discernment, 
is that just because you got information doesn't mean that you're meant to share it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's really important to make sure that if you're walking through the grocery store and you see someone's grandmother standing next to them, it doesn't mean that you are meant to go up to that person and tell them that because they might have a really bad past with their grandmother and you mm-hmm. may trigger that person by mentioning that. There are ethical ways that you can go about offering your services to someone if you choose to do that. But there's also also ethical ways that you can approach someone and ask them whether or not they want to receive that information. This has happened to both Becca, Alyssa, and I, it's only where people will come into our DMs and be like, I'm picking this up on you. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. it's so inappropriate. (laughs) It's so strange and It's It's so inappropriate. Extremely uncomfortable for us. Don't like it. And it, it, it's so uncomfortable because we did not ask those people to tune in for us. And even though I understand a lot of times why people are doing that, some people have good intention with it, and some people just want their abilities to be seen by someone that they think is, you know, superior to where they are or like has better gifts than them so that they can be validated in their gifts. Regardless of the reasoning behind doing that, it makes people uncomfortable. I never ask someone to tune in, you know, things like that. So there's an awareness that has to be there of why you're approaching someone with information. Are you doing it to manipulate a certain outcome to validate your experience or to pressure someone into purchasing something from you? Like these are questions that you have to ask for for yourself. And in addition to that, if you are someone who is going to be offering services to people, one of the first things that I learned from the spiritual business course that I took way, way, way back when was have ethics clearly stated on your website. And I have since that day had ethics listed on my website because I think it's really important for me to list out those ethics for people to see. I want people to be able to see clearly and laid out in front of them the ethics that I follow within my business. And um, like, for example, not trying to diagnose someone with mental conditions or medical conditions because we're not medical practitioners. We're not medically trained. We are spiritual practitioners and the sessions we offer should be for entertainment and or spiritual purposes only. They shouldn't be used as a replacement for doctors or therapists or things like that. And that's an ethic that you can follow in your business and that you should follow because it's not appropriate unless you are medically trained to have that be something that you include in your practice that is spiritual. Like it's not spiritual. That's medical. It's a different category altogether. I have to jump in with an example. I went on a tangent. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't, don't be. I have to give an example. I just saw this, like literally just this past week, I was scrolling through TikTok and saw a TikTok live of an individual who was doing uh, psychic medium readings for other people. And literally verbatim, this person said, sometimes when I tune in, I kind of turn into a doctor. I'm seeing inflammation no. in your gut and an, and I'm not done. <laughs> I, get, I see inflammation in your gut and an, no. and, um, an undiagnosed autoimmune disorder. What the hell? No. I literally saw that this week and I almost threw up in my mouth and swallowed Report it again. Live. It what was the, the most, I did, I, I, I could not, I, it was the most ethical thing I've ever seen yeah. insofar that there are some readers who will have no problem t- 
touching on health things because it's related to like reading someone's energy or picking sure, up on sure. some things that are going on in, in the whether it's in their auric field or something that's going on within the body or whatever. But if the if somebody is explicitly saying to you that you have like they are diagnosing you or yeah, if they are yeah. making you feel afraid that you have some type of illness or disorder or something like that or a disease, that is not an ethical that's not coming from anywhere ethical. Yeah. Well, because you have to have discernment with that. And one way that, because I've had that happen with like, um, I I did aura like photo readings for a while. And one thing is that I will see areas on someone's body where they maybe have pain or, you know, chronic pain or something like that. But I'm not going to diagnose someone with it. I'm going to state what I see you know, there's a darkness around your right knee. Like, I don't know if you experience right knee pain all the time, or if you had an old injury there, but just pointing that out, like, I'm not trying to diagnose it. And there are ethical ways of going about mentioning something like that without diagnosing people. With I see a darkness on your right knee and you definitely have cancer in your joint and you yeah, probably like have about three months to live. Right. Oh. Like, that's so terrible. Like, but you can just say like, if, if it's something that bothers you, like definitely get it checked out. But like, it, there's there's ways to ethically go about that while also sharing what you're getting without overstepping. Like mm-hmm. I, it's not I hard. Also, I also wanted to really quick circle back to when you're talking about reading for people that didn't consent to it. This yes. also falls into um, when people order readings from you or you're doing live stream readings. If somebody is asking you to read on like their partner or yeah. someone that is not them and it is unethical to do that because that person did not agree for you to look into their life or to tell this person about their business. And for me, that is a very strong line that I have where you're asking me to read for an unaware third party that has not given their consent verbally to me on a Zoom call. I will not do it. Yeah, Which is and different that, than if you're reading and you pick up on some something for your right, client that's related right. to another person, but oh, right. not, yeah. not reading specifically into another person without yeah. their consent. And certain divinatory practices as well, like it's kind of sometimes unavoidable. Like for, for example, within Lenormand, you can have another quarant that would represent another person and the cards around them can be indicating like what that person is experiencing, things like that. But it is important that when you're using divination, whether you're doing it yourself or you're getting a reading from someone else, it is going to focus on you the mm-hmm. quarant that they're reading for the sitter the person that that person is reading for it's going to center on you so if you're getting a reading about you and your partner that reading is going to center on you there may mm-hmm. be aspects indicating like oh okay there's something happening between you and your partner and this is coming through in the cards but it's not necessarily going to talk about the other person and how they're feeling and oftentimes it will give advice instead on how you can approach that situation exactly. with that other person rather than saying oh this person is going through this like it's more so of this person is struggling this is how you can approach that in a healthy way or in a helpful way so another one i really want to discuss that i think is so egregious and it is very difficult for me to um to kind of handle that some people do this is straight up lying or embellishing in your readings to make yourself look better or because 
you don't want to deliver the message or information that you got because you lack the skills to do so. Or you want to make it sound like extra cool or something like that. It is not okay to lie in your readings. That is, I mean, I can't even go into the number of reasons why that is not okay. People do it in past life readings where they Mm -hmm. want to tell people that they are this grandiose person or thing or entity or divinity or being in their past life when that was not true, but they're doing it because they want to boost their sales. You have it in, I mean, multiple different kinds of readings, any reading that you can get. There are readers who will lie to you. And that is why it is so important that when you get a reading, that you take the information and you ask yourself if that feels right to you, if that settles Mm -hmm. with you okay. And like to be honest with yourself, because if they're giving you information and a message and you're like, I don't like that that's calling me out, that is different than a a message that is a straight up lie and you know it's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know it's gassing you up or something. And I mean, it's, and that can even happen like in, in coaching circles as well. Like there might be a coach that is like, helping you with abilities or helping you with your practice or helping you with whatever. And they might be like, wow, you're really amazing at this. Like I've never seen anybody else like this. Like there's, there's hyping up your clients because you genuinely feel excited about what you're seeing them bring forward. And then there's hyping someone up because you know that that's going to make them feel good and it's going to make them come back. Mm -hmm. Like, I, mm-hmm. if, if I'm hyping up a client, it's because I genuinely am seeing progress. The potential. Yeah. I'm seeing progress. And I'm progress. For growth. Effort. I'm, I'm seeing their, you know, their abilities coming through. I'm mm-hmm. just like, why are you doubting this? This is really good. Like you, mm-hmm. you got all this correct. Like, I don't know why you're doubting yourself so much. Things like that. That's different when you have tangible proof that you can look back on. I want my clients to come back to me for all of the good reasons and not because I lied to yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. We all want you to like come back to us because you want to, not because you feel like you have to or that you can't do it on your own. Because here's the thing, by lying to someone or gassing someone up when that's not the case or you're lying to like make them come back, it's essentially, I guess in a way, like gaslighting someone. Because no, you're but saying, it's so like, fucked up though, because if somebody's yeah. coming to you for spiritual guidance and spiritual help, uh, there is an expectation from them that you are going to be truthful and honest with mm-hmm. what it is that you Well, receive. and it's dangerous too, because it can put people in psychosis. Oh yeah. Like lying you truly were, is manipulative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you tell someone that they are a god, you better be a freaking therapist ready to take them through a course of therapy after that because like it's very scary to see clients come to us who have been told the things that they've been told by other readers mm-hmm. yep. dropping and these the egregious fault. grandiose claims yeah. that leave the person confused and not knowing what to do with it and it's like life-altering information and it's not to say that that can't come through in a reading. Yeah, it's and it's just, possible, but like the, there's the, ways to, to deliver information yeah. that is helpful to the person. And again, this comes back to the ethics of being mm-hmm. a reader or a spiritual, somebody who administers spiritual advice or spiritual yes. guidance. You have is, to know what your client is ready for. You have to understand. what they're at. Yeah, all of that, but also too, you have to understand how, like where they're at on their path. Are they, are they new? Do they understand some of the basics, um, Mm -hmm. like foundations to protect themselves or like to be able to identify if something doesn't feel right, et cetera. Like it's, 
it's again, like we were saying before, like if it, if it doesn't feel right, trust Mm -hmm. that you're not, it's not feeling right. And it's okay to go to other readers and like, be like, Hey, can you confirm this? Like, this is what another reader said, like, we encourage that and think that that's great to do that. It just gets like lying. Oh my God. You want to know the worst part is when you see these quote unquote tarot readers that will like pull out the death card and be like, oh, your no, lover's coming yeah. back. And they're like, you are going to get everything you want. Yep. No. Yeah. I, soulmates coming next mm-hmm. month. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I, yeah. Well, because like, and the, here's the thing. Cause like with tarot specifically, like there are meetings for certain cards, right? Like death would be transformation and rebirth and, and things like that. Unavoidable change. But like, if someone is like, your love is coming back. Yeah, I guess in a very, very remote world that could apply, depending on the other cards that are coming through. Maybe it's indicating a rebirth of some kind, a death, you know, an ending of a cycle and things like that, depending on the other cards. But like, if someone like you have it's context, it's context Mm -hmm. and discernment. And you can't it with tarot specifically, you can't make the cards what you want them to be the way that you can typically sometimes with Oracle. Like it just, it's not the way that that works. Um, if you want to do that, make your own deck, have at it. Like I'm you go you, anybody for it, who guys. understands or like knows the meaning of tarot can spot someone bullshitting their way through a tarot it's, reading. Mm-hmm. No problem. So fast. So you fast. Spot it so easily. It's like this you person doesn't smell it like rain. They're talking <laughs> out of their ass. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Ultimately, though, the the red flags that we've gone through, we are giving you these examples of these different red flags and the behavior that would be counterintuitive to being ethical um, in spirituality. But the same goes to not just for you on the receiving end of guidance, but also you giving it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this is something that Alyssa and I have mentioned in the previous episodes too, is that we don't want it to sound like we are the only people you can trust. Like no. always use discernment and don't be afraid to question readers, even if yep. you are familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm getting a reading from Becca or someone I've never met before. That is something that I'm still going to use my discernment around. Does it feel mm-hmm. correct for me? Does it feel mm-hmm. good for me? Does it apply mm-hmm. to my life? Things like that. Does it feel right for me in my practice? It, regardless of who you're getting readings from, like use discernment check in with yourself and see if it feels right because you can feel like you know someone really well but you still should use discernment just because that is part of keeping yourself safe because all of this this whole episode is to try to help you all stay safe and part of that safety is also looking out for yourself right you can't mm-hmm. expect other people to look out for you because not everybody has your best intentions at heart so you have to be able to look out for yourself and don't be afraid to question things and i don't care if it's me alyssa becca whoever the fuck you're getting a reading mm-hmm. from or a session from if something doesn't feel right don't be afraid to ask people to validate it or find confirmation in your own connections with your own divination or things like that. Like, don't be afraid to question things. Yes. There's a point where we can kind of question things to the point of just pulling everything apart. But at some point, like, don't, don't stop yourself from asking why or clarifying, like there's nothing wrong with doing that. 
um, you're going to know what your stopping point is, but don't be afraid to do that regardless of who it is. There's also the flip side too, as someone, and I've been both the giver of questions um, from readings and also the receiver of questions from readings that I have administered. And the important part is to recognize the other side, which is you going to someone asking questions. Now, this is fine. When communicating that, you know, you have a question, the reader or the administer of the spiritual service or guidance should absolutely be open to welcoming questions or further instructions on a reading or whatever. But you should also acknowledge that abusive language or having your mind already made up and you're seeking validation for a preconceived notion or you're approaching it in a way that isn't respectful of the other person or you're trying to manipulate the information to be different than what you got because you didn't like it. There's ways to go about it where you're just having a genuine conversation where it's like, okay, I literally just didn't really quite understand this last bit. Do you mind explaining yeah. further? The yeah. person should be able to be like, absolutely. Here's the further context. But if you come back and you're just like, well, this doesn't make sense to me. Are you sure you got what you got? That's not fair. That's not mm -hmm. a fair way to go well, about it. Yeah, at that point, like, I think it would just make sense to just go to a different reader. A different reader. Go to a yeah. different reader at that stage. Or if you keep coming back to the person and you don't like what you hear, as long as they're being respectful and considerate to you, it's being able to approach a reader, an administrator of a spiritual service with that respect. Like, the, it's... <sighs> It, the reason why this is so I'm so passionate about this is because I'm trying to open up the, the dialogue for you to feel empowered to ask questions. But also if yeah. you are an administer, if you administer readings, that you should have boundaries for people who abuse that position because yeah. it does happen. Yeah. Well, because it reminds me. Yeah. And it reminds me of people who go into readings with the idea that they want the reader to prove themselves to them. Yes. It, it's mm -hmm. very much that kind of vibe of like, I'm, I'm going in so that you can prove your abilities to me. And if you go in with the idea that you're always looking for something wrong with it or for it to have a certain outcome that you're specifically wanting, I think that's just, it can be a really detrimental way to go into a session because, and it's not to say that you can't go in with certain questions or things like that. You know, of course, like if you want a reading about a specific situation that's happening or something, nothing wrong with asking for that. But I'm talking about like, if you are going into a reading, like, let's say that you like someone or something and you're like, I want to see why this person is coming into my life. Like what, what their purpose is going to be towards me as a person, you know, are they going to be someone who's going to help teach me things? Are they going to end up being a partner possibly? Things like that. That would be like a normal question that we would see come through from, for a reading. But if someone was going in asking those questions, but they themselves are not going to be happy with that, that session, if the answer is this person is just coming through to teach you something, but not necessarily be a romantic partner, is that something that you're going to be happy with? Are you going to like refute that information that comes through just because it's not matching your idea of what you wanted? And at that point, is it helpful for you to even get a reading if that's what you're doing? Because I mean, like, you can but, do that all day with your own cards, like pull cards yeah, well, exactly. and make it sound the way that you wanted to. You and know? even too, it's like <laughs> sessions and, and readings and things like this, 
They're meant to be providing you with guidance and message messages mm-hmm. and personal development and new perspectives and clarity to situations in your life, allowing you to become more aware of your choices. So mm-hmm. with divination- And outside of your own bias. Yeah. And with divination, it's meant to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And of course, it comes down to the delivery of the information. Some readers yeah. can be really yeah. rude, but like, you know, if you yeah. go to someone who can deliver it and use discernment and like isn't being abusive in the way they deliver it, okay, like in that context, just you ultimately have, no matter like what a reader tells you, you ultimately have the power of free will and the option to change any outcome or path. So yeah. if a reading yeah. doesn't land with you, that is okay. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. Yeah, I really wish every reading did, but it's yeah. not going oh, to. I I wish every reading was like hyping me the fuck up, but sometimes <laughs> they'll call me out so bad and it will just hurt. And I'm just like, why'd you have to slap me like that? I <laughs> by my ancestors on a regular. Like that's regular for me. And I have to be in the headspace to be willing to hear an answer I don't like. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it and is not okay. the reader's responsibility to placate mm-hmm. you if it doesn't land with you for whatever personal reason you may have. Right. So it's about respect. So I want to make sure that both sides are discussed here because both sides are important. Yeah. And as a reader, like there's there's a lot of value to, in my opinion, going into readings, understanding that people deal with anxiety, things like that. Whenever I'm going to, into card readings and such, where it could be something that would ignite someone's anxiety about something happening potentially in the future or an outcome of some kind, I'm trying my best to give them a bunch of different ways that that can come through so that they can discern what fits and feels best for them and feels right for that situation. And remind them that it is changeable. Like nothing is really set in stone. There's a lot of variables that can come to play out. And if you feel like you're stuck in a scenario, that's that's when you would either pull for yourself or go to a def- different reader, get a second opinion, things like that. Because a reader should leave you feeling empowered and feeling good about how to approach something and not scared, fearful, or anxious, right? Now, of course, if you suffer from anxiety, it might even be that like the reader hasn't necessarily done anything to cause that anxiety, but the anxiety comes up anyway. And that's a little bit different. But if they're leaving you feeling fearful because they're like, hey, I got the death card and I think your, you know, parent is going to die tomorrow. That's that you, they shouldn't leave you feeling that way. Like that's just it's not good, babes. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not gonna do that. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with all that said, I, I hope this was helpful. I, I think this was a really good discussion to have. And I, I want this discussion to continue too. This is a really good thing to talk about and to mm-hmm. have as a constant discussion happening and something that we can bring up whenever. And with Alyssa's in my discord community, we do have a channel for ghost tea podcast where we do discuss the topics that we talk about and things like that. But you can also put in requests for topics that you want us to talk about as well. But if you have something or thoughts that you had come up from this episode that you want to share with us or discuss, we'd be happy to have you share it in that 
space or even send us an email. We love to hear your feedback and we like to be able to see how these topics and these discussions are impacting you and helping you to better your own practice and, um, and kind of review your own stuff as well. I think that's really, really important. But also for those who are interested in booking a session with Alyssa or Becca or I, you can find the links to Alyssa's and my website, uh, websites on our ghostteapodcast.com, but you can also find Becca at www.themysticslounge.com. We'll have everything linked in the description below. Thank you so much to Becca for joining us for another yes. discussion. Thank you so I'm much so for glad. having me. This was lovely. Of course. Such a good conversation to have and all three of us being tutive and clairvoyant and readers, these are conversations that come up quite often. So it's awesome to be able to have your perspective to join in on this really important topic. So thank you again for coming. Yeah. And it's all a pleasure to have you. Yeah, all the ferns in the greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to rate and share Ghost Tea Podcast. Sharing us helps to create even more amazing episodes. And we love to hear from you, ghosties. If you're on Spotify, there's a little star button. You can you can press it. Give us a five star if you love what we're doing. And have a great rest of your month. We'll see you again next month. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.